Welcome to Consensus 2022. Uh, we are truly thrilled to have you here today. Grateful uh, to you for coming. Promise you on behalf of Coindesk staff that we all have worked incredibly hard to assemble what we believe are some of the smartest and most knowledgeable people in the entire crypto space, especially crypto markets and the funding area. Um, and we want you to hear from them directly from our uh, expert moderators. Uh, and we really hope you enjoy it. Uh, one idea that I'll just start us off with, that's something that I think about all the time, in all of finance, uh, all of finance, it could be argued that there is no topic globally here as we are in June of 2022 that is more fascinating than blockchain finance and these brand new digital asset markets that are springing up all around us and reinventing themselves every day. Um, and this topic is exactly what we're here to talk about. Uh, so let's get started. Um, title, the title of this broad track is Follow the Money, Who's Funding the Web3 Future? Um, and let's get right into it. Uh, first panel is called Who's Buying the Dip? Uh, I'd like to introduce the moderator of this panel, Lila Ledesma. Thank you, Lila. And Lil will be joined by her panelists, uh, Sean Farrell, um, Akshi Federici, and Nicola White. Hi guys, um, thank you for joining me. So what we're going to be looking at today is who's investing in crypto at the moment given the current market conditions. So as I'm sure you're aware, Bitcoin's down about 50% from its all-time high reached in November 2021. Um, the global crypto market cap in total is down by like 2 trillion. Um, last month's collapse of Terra's Luna, to Luna tokens in the USD sta stablecoin contributed to a loss of over $600 billion in the crypto market. So um, I want to know, like, what you guys see, do you guys see this as an avenue for investors to be buying in? Or do you think this recent dip is deterring people away? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I, I think markets are doing what markets are doing, right? Um, every boom is followed by a equal and opposite bust. Um, and I think what's going on right now is, you know, stepping back, if you look at you know, the market's construction now compared to 2016, 2017, 2018, uh, where you could pretty confidently predict how cycles would run, uh, you know, around the habiting catalyst. Um, the market participants at that point were just completely different. Um, the people that were trading traditional financial assets and crypto assets, uh, like the, the Venn diagram was, was two circles. Um, and you know, over the past few years, those circles have converged. Um, so, you know, in, inevitably, we're going to see this industry start to tra trade a little closer to ma with, with, with macro uh, variables. And um, I think that's what we're seeing right now, is that there's just not a bid for risk assets. Uh, and as a result, we're seeing a lot of the, um, we'll call it tourist capital, uh, kind of get weeded out. Uh, so I think we're going to see a lot of that happening. Um, what do you mean by tourist capital? Uh, you know, a lot of traditional financial institutions uh, or newcomers to the industry that, uh, you know, were 
trading, you know, on momentum or hype, um, not necessarily uh, creating any long-term thesis uh, around crypto. Right. Um, those are the types of market players we're probably going to see get weeded out. Um, but, you know, I think this is a good opportunity for, um, and I'm seeing it through you know, conversations, you know, a lot of, um, you know, long-term oriented investors uh, start to dig in, dig in their heels, develop a thesis, and uh, take a more value-oriented approach. Um, I mean, that's, you know, and that's, that's kind of my, my approach in conversations with, with investors. Right. Um, Nicola, I'm wondering if you can speak from a liquidity provider point of view um, about the split of clients that have been buying over the last few months, whether this be retail, hedge funds, etc. Yeah, definitely. During the Luna Terra event, we, we saw a lot of risk off. I think since then, the market's really recovered. It feels like a little bit there's, there's people that are being patient to get into the market, which I think, you know, is a good sign, right? You're not completely seeing 100% risk off. You're seeing people wait for their levels, get in. The other really interesting trend that we're seeing is traditional finance coming in. At 40,000, you know, they probably didn't, they, they were like not sure if they should buy Bitcoin or not. But, you know, where we are today, they're, they're definitely, you know, getting in, they're interested in onboarding with us. About 60% of the onboardings that we're seeing right now are in traditional finance. And they're really using derivatives as their foray into the space. Uh, so, you know, maybe they don't have the technical capabilities to connect to the blockchain. So they're, they're getting that exposure through products like CFDs or options or NDFs. Okay, great. And actually, I'm wondering from a VC perspective, um, during the dip, what types of projects are you guys buying in or investing in? Sure. So. Um I agree with you know Sean um, and also Nicola, and in the sense that we as a fund have always been focused more on kind of, kind of infrastructure projects that are more long-term focused, and we have that 80-year fund view. Uh, we also have focused on the seed stage primarily and Series A, so earlier on. And for that reason, uh, the dip for us didn't actually change anything um, in terms of our strategy. Um, we we do see that um, you know that has played out well given <laughs> given what happened with the market, but at the same time I think at least in the VC world a lot of us saw this coming. Um, it was you know crypto is pretty well correlated with tech stocks right, and because it's a riskier asset it just takes a bigger hit. And the same thing happened with Terra, which was even riskier in terms of the the construct. Um, so I don't think it was a surprise to anybody, and at least in the VC world, it's been helpful to have this market correction because, um, you know, diligencing projects and being able to really focus on uh, the fundamentals and what the roadmap looks like and what the what the you know revenue drivers etc. are has just become easier. Um, Actually, are you telling me that? Um a JPEG of a rock shouldn't be going for $2 million? <laughs> I'm speaking of NFT in New York, so I'll save my, like, <laughs> save my. Um, but yeah, so we, so we, so for example, we as, as Kraken Ventures didn't actually focus in the NFT space on collections or even marketplaces. We are, we've always, even before the dip, focused on more sort of NFT infrastructure. So that's actually worked out, worked out well for us, um, but yeah. Um, has the dip affected valuations slash pricing in the, in the VC? I was anticipating that the valuations would take a little bit longer to correct from a VC perspective, but they already are 
correcting, and it's 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 the valuations being uh, being more reasonable now. But also, you can actually have a conversation as a VC with a founder about that versus, let's say, three months ago, you didn't want to be the VC that was questioning the valuation because every round was oversubscribed and you were the last check in. And I think that 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 conversation is definitely on the table now. Um, Sean, you, you touched upon briefly sort of a macro perspective. Um, volumes are drying up, investors are on the sidelines at the moment. I'm wondering if you can speak more to that. Um, are you seeing any interesting indications from your research? Yeah, so I mean, from a macro perspective, it's all a global liquidity play, right? So, you know, we were pretty drunk off of uh, monetary stimulus for the better part of 10 years. And, um, you know, even prior to Bitcoin's uh, you know, outsized correlation with risk assets, traditional risk assets, uh, you know, it still served as this general proxy for liquidity conditions and the ebbing and flowing of, um, you know, the, the appetite for, for, risk for, for risk assets. Um, and what we're seeing now is, you know, the, the uh, punch bowls being taken away and similar to, uh, you know, the meme stocks being down 90%, we're, you know, we're, we're not seeing much of a bid for, for Bitcoin. But, you know, the glass half full uh, perspective here is, you know, once there is a general bid for risk assets, I think we're not going to, we're going to be in a situation where we're not going to be beholden to this four-year cycle. And, and obviously, I'm speaking through the lens of, of Bitcoin just, just sure. because it's still the king um, and is, you know, at 50% dominance or whatever it is right now. Um, but my point is we're not going to see the, the four-year cycles that we're so attuned to. It's probably going to ebb and flow more with global liquidity conditions. Um, you know, and obviously there's a lot to unpack with how that's going to look over the next year, but um, you know, I, that's kind of what myself and our team are, are looking at from, okay. a, from a high level. Nice. In terms of different wallet size perspectives, um, have you looked at what whales are doing and long-term holders? Yeah, so I mean, it's... it's uh, um, from an on-chain perspective, it's you know any accumulation metric has turned upwards uh, quite dramatically the past um, six months or so. Uh, a lot of the larger whales are um, building their positions uh, just because I presume they're well capitalized and have been in the industry for a while. Uh, the short-term holders, the traders, are, are kind of sitting on their hands in this environment, which uh, I think is probably a good thing. Uh, for them and their uh, fiscal outlook, uh, but yeah, I think uh, you know the the weak hands are giving up their again speaking through the lens of Bitcoin. The weak hands are uh, giving up their coins to the strong hands, and um, you know once we do encounter a macro catalyst, I think uh, we'll be in a good position for um, you know some strong upward price movement. Nicola, can you speak to this? Do you have anything to add? On the on whales in particular, yeah. not on whales in particular, but I think you know, to to Sean's point, Bitcoin and ETH is where people are, are kind of taking shots right now. Altcoin volumes are are down. People are, are thinking more that you know not all coins are created equal. I think it's caused people, from a risk perspective, to to not treat some of their altcoins in the same way that they're treating Bitcoin and ETH. Right, so. Right now, they're willing to take you know, some risk on in Bitcoin and ETH, but maybe they're you know, sitting on the sidelines or, or not as actively trading their altcoin positions. Yeah, that's an interesting point, because it's important. I 
mentioned the Venn diagram earlier, you know, you have this, uh, this uh, you know, TradFi capital, we'll call it, crypto-native capital, and they both treat risk-on, risk-off differently. And I think what we saw at the beginning of this year was a lot of that TradFi capital de-risk. But there was still, you saw, you didn't see Bitcoin dominance spike the way you, you, you would expect if, if uh, you know, people are de-risking. Now I think crypto-native capital, to, to your point, uh, you know, alts just aren't catching any bid. Um, a lot of that, that altcoin um, capital that, was, that would otherwise be allocated by this crypto-native cohort to altcoins is now being uh, parked in Bitcoin because it's just a known quantity, right? Yeah, and you definitely see, I mean, through any move, right, Bitcoin's generally leading the way, whether it's up or down, you know, depending on what's, what's happening. But generally the market is being led by Bitcoin, whereas I would say at the beginning of the year, you know, maybe some of the alts were, were causing the market to move. Yeah, that's definitely, that, that was definitely the case. Do you see that happening again or not in the short term and long term? I, I think the next eight weeks are going to be, are going to be interesting, right? Typically, I mean, in traditional markets or in crypto markets, you know, the summer tends to be relatively slow. I might have jinxed myself by saying <laughs> that now, and we're going to go into a period of extreme volatility. But um, I think for the next eight weeks, you're going to see those like summer doldrums. And then I think, you know, you can really, I think you'll really see some risk on in September is, is kind of how we're thinking about it. Yeah. Nicola, you spoke briefly um, about how market makers are kind of behaving the post-Terra post Luna collapse. Are you able to elaborate on that? I mean, really, I think people are, are just taking a step back and reevaluating how they think about coins, right? Not all coins are created equal. And, you know, they need to think about that not only from a market risk perspective, but a credit risk perspective. What do your clients look like? Are they primarily investing in, you know, core coins? Are they, are they investing in altcoins? What does their exposure look like in a 30% move or a 40% move? And I think, you know, bringing some of the, of the credit risk exposure concepts from traditional finance into, into the crypto space, I think is something you've seen over the last, you know, three or four weeks. We're having a lot of conversations with clients about how they should be thinking about credit, how they should be thinking about their exposures, um, and yeah, not treating everything equally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we are all sort of seeing similar stuff in terms of you know, I I don't know if this is okay to say, but I but I think that crypto is at this point too big to fail, pretty much. And I think even institutional investors or traditional finance, they want to participate in the space, but I think that given the given what happened in markets in the last couple of weeks, I think at this point in time, they're just a little bit more cautious. Okay. And that's portraying itself in terms of the altcoin versus Bitcoin and ETH. Yeah, to that point, I think um, <clears throat> we're past the point where you can't, I mean, you, you don't have to be aping into, you know, whatever, um, you know, number 1,000 on coin market cap. But um, as any financial, as a, any fiduciary, you, you need to at least have a digital asset strategy and an answer to any board member that has a question around your, your approach to digital assets. It, it could be no, but, but now you have to at least have the conversation. Um, so I think that is, yeah. that is kind of, that, that's at least what I'm seeing in the conversations I'm having. Uh, I, know, I know a lot of traditional financial institutions are, are pretty fired up about this um, uh, piece of legislation that yes. is um, uh, it's bringing a lot of uh, clarity to uh, an otherwise opaque regulatory landscape. So um, the conversations are still happening. Uh, they're just, it's not going to be reflected in price right now. Okay. 
Um, I'm wondering what you guys think of the situation for some of these smaller projects. Like Sean and I have worked on a project, uh, worked on looking at Stepin, and we've also looked at uh, play to earn gaming projects and stuff like that. Do you think that they're going to survive? Some of the smaller ones, some like the ones that are doing well right now, like Stepin and Axie, for example. How do you th how do you think that the current market is going to pose for them? Yeah. So I mean, I'm <laughs> so for. for uh, for unengaged, Stepin is a, a move to earn app where it's you know it's an NFT-enabled application where uh, you purchase these sneaker NFTs and essentially you are rewarded for uh, walking. Um, it, it sounds dumb, but like <laughs> I, if if I had a half hour, I could probably uh, describe the thesis to you in a little more detail. But I think the the wider point is uh, this generation of X to earn apps has kind of created this new paradigm, a new framework for how you reward users on the network. Uh, whether those projects survive the next four years, like, probably not. Probably not. Like, it just looking at how, uh, just how, you know, returns are structured in, in venture and how most early stage companies fail, like, yeah. pr probably not. But, but there will be one in the next bull market that does it a little better. Maybe it is Stepin. You know, maybe it is, but um, uh, so it's actually yeah. funny because earlier when you mentioned the NFTs and applications, there is a lot coming up in this this play to earn, right? But there's also play to move. So there's a ton coming up in the healthcare and fitness right. space yeah. that I, me personally, I actually am interested in that because that's a good use case for for NFTs. Yeah. And, yeah. So like you, you, I, you I, could I, actually I, see a like a in a world in which like a, a healthcare network correct. issues these NFTs to their constituents and they. Are incentivized to be healthier, and as a result, you're, you're kind of just pulling forward externalities. Right. Um, uh, you're pulling forward these like uh, cost savings that you're going to achieve in the future, uh, right. and just incentivizing. Yeah. So I mean, I, th I think innovation will keep happening in that space. But to your point, most most VC investments, especially at that early stage, do fail. And I think that one of the one of one of the great things when when I look at our portfolio is to look at our companies and quickly do. A to check of whether they um, raised enough the last round to be able to survive this for the next six to eight months. And that's the great news is that, you know, if, if a company has already raised enough capital um, to stick it out for the next, next, you know, six to eight months, that's what we're advising some of the companies that are raising now are about to close around is to try to go for a bigger check just to shore, just to shore it up um, on the back end. Yeah, and I definitely think, to that point, consolidation across companies and coins, I think, is something that yes. probably the, it needs to happen a little bit in the industry. You've seen, you've seen just an explosion of, of different projects and, um, and coins, and, you know, you can't, there's, there's, a, there's a limited supply of money. You know, there's only so, there's only so much you can, you can put to work. So I think the, that's consolidation's a theme you're going to see over the next year as well. Okay, so that's your short-term, long-term perspective what, what do you see in the next like three months for these long term is three months <laughs> in, in crypto I, I guess <laughs> Honestly, I think it, I, yeah every every you know that meme like every uh every every uh week on this planet is seven years that's how i feel every day <laughs> no but look I, I think once once we get through the summer i do think you're going to see more risk on i think the the traditional finance coming into the space in in droves which is what's happening right now I think is is going to be one of those things that is they're the next buyers, right? If if you're thinking about long term, who's buying the dip? It's probably traditional finance and making sure that they can get access to the space, 
in a way that conforms with regulation and they don't feel like they have that regulatory risk. It's why we're also very excited about you know, the, the bill that was proposed is getting that clarity, making sure that they can get into the space. It's one of the reasons why they only want to participate in derivatives right now is because there is a clear path from the derivatives space to you know, what does it look like to operate? How do we make sure we're staying you know, on the right side of regulation? And I think clarity through the bill or through the CFTC or the SEC, you know, making it clear what, what the path to, to operating safely and securely in the, inside the U.S is going to be very, very important. Okay, how long do you think it is before institutions are investing directly rather than through derivatives? Um. It's tough. I mean, from a technology point of view, they're so far <laughs> behind, behind this world and this space. Um, having come from that world, you know, the legacy technology is a real issue. So I think they're really going to have to partner with you know, people that can provide the technology solutions for them. I don't think that very many of them are going to be able to build technology solutions themselves. Uh, so it's, it's really about partnering and, and leaving that legacy technology behind to move into this new world. Yeah. And from a, from a venture perspective, um, they don't have the ability necessarily to be strategic advisors, which is what a lot of projects are looking for. And that's a, co a competitive edge for, for VCs. Um, but that's a great way for institutions to get exposure as well because while I'm not entirely sure traditional financial institutions will, will get to a point where they will be cleared to invest in tokens directly, mm. but it's a great way for them to get exposure through a fund and that's from a timeline perspective, when we raise our next fund towards the end of this year, we're actually getting tremendous interest from traditional financial institutions and asset managers to access uh, investing in, on a longer term horizon through venture funds. Sean, do you have anything to add? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, I was talking with Nicola backstage a bit about this. Like, the like banks and these global giant uh, traditional institutions we're talking about, um, like, the, the, they see it, they see the opportunity. But to some degree, the juice is also not worth the squeeze from a size perspective for a lot of these places. Um, so you know, it's still going to be advantageous, uh, an advantageous you know, dynamic for any project that is building um, outside of these institutions to circumvent the solutions that these you know, banks provide. Um, because they're, they're not going to be agile enough to, to do it. Um, at least that's, that's what I think. But they'll eventually move in. I think, I think what we'll probably end up seeing is uh, a lot of them try to just hedge exposure to the industry through, through you know, uh, principal investments. And how do you think this looks for the retail investor? Like the... The, the current the, market conditions? Are they buying in? Are they afraid? Oh, I, I, it depends on which retail investor, right? I mean... I think mom and pop right now are just trying to, <laughs> trying to pay for gas. Uh, so I, you know, I think uh, I think most retail investors, at least the ones that aren't sitting at their desk trading every day, um, they're they're probably sitting on their hands at this point. Um, but I, I don't think I don't think that precludes them from getting involved again once things start to uh, you know clear up. 
So we're actually seeing them be very patient about their levels. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, definitely mom and pop are, 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 are sitting on their hands, but for the, for the retail investors that are, are maybe you know, trading more or, or, or sitting at their desk all, all day waiting, waiting to make you know, their, their next million, we're seeing them wait for, for very key support levels in the market, and we'll see a massive influx of retail at those support levels. Uh, and, and, and then you'll see them take profit quicker as well. I think you're not uh, seeing them kind of just buy and hold at this point. You're seeing them more range trade. How quickly? Can you speak more specifically to that? Just like key, I mean, so like you're, you're talking about like key support levels, like 28,000, right? I think you'll, you'll see a massive influx of people buy there. And then maybe they're looking to sell out at 31, 32,000. So they're not waiting, you know, for the, the move up to 40,000 again before they get out. Which actually I think is healthy for the market, right? That, that two-way flow, and, you know, when you're in a buy and hold market, there's, and there, there's not a lot of like, back and forth, I think the back and forth actually makes a healthier market. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, it, it's, it's uh, you, you've seen, we've seen it in the derivatives market, right? Having, you know, tighter, uh, you know, big asks and having both buyers and sellers trade a tighter range. You know, you've seen these funding rates for perps come down. You can actually look at the chart over the last two years and see where uh, derivatives for these institutions like became popular. Uh, and that's, like you said, just a healthier, healthier market. Less, uh, less, less ten percent wicks. Are you seeing retail clients trade derivatives as well, or is it mainly just your institutional clients? Not the not the massive influx that we've seen in the from from primarily traditional finance, right? Still, crypto native institutional investing is still primarily in spot, I would say, uh, and you know maybe some options to hedge. I think the one thing that we've seen a lot over the last two or three months is people are actually thinking about hedging their portfolio through options, right? The downside protection. And, and again, I think that's healthier because you know what your downside is then. If you're sitting on a massive amount of coins, you have the ability to essentially insulate yourself from a 30 or 40% move, which again, healthier markets. Great. Thanks, guys. I think we're at time. Are we at time? Are we at time? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. The, the <laughs> clock is like uniquely <laughs> positioned right like beneath oh, the. Uh, okay. We got three minutes. Um, give me each of you. Give me your short-term, long-term perspective on the market, and in, in a few lines, Nicholas, starting with you. Short-term, I think the summer is going to be tough, but longer-term, I think you're going to see more risk on in, in September. Actually, I actually agree with that timeline entirely. I think, I think the fall, it's it's going to pick up in the fall. Okay. Why the fall? I think the I think the summer in general, like historically, you know, has been has been a, has been a tough time. And I think, um, I mean, even 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 in the last couple of weeks, there's been some sort of movements that that point to the to the fall as as a recovery period. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think over the next month, two, perhaps, you know, you're going to want to still, you know, hold on to your butts. Um, <laughs> You know, protect your downside and uh, not try to be, you know, too cute. Um, I think, you know, we had a CPI print of 8.6 today. There is a good probability that that is the peak, and once we start to see that rollover um, and we see the dollar peak, uh, you know, I think that's when we're going to start to see uh, some relief. Okay. Um, that said, I think, you know, from like a, a downside perspective, the asymmetry is to the, to the upside already, right? Um, so if your time frame is, uh, if you, you know, out, you know, beyond six, 12 months, you know, it's, 
we're, we're close enough to the bottom where like you can probably deploy capital and, and be okay. Um, but yeah, I think it's still going to be um, uh, conditions are going to remain remain a bit bit suspect in, in the immediate term. Okay, great. So you think that we're going to continue to see the crypto market trade in line with traditional markets? Is that what you're saying? Or? I think so. Um, I think yeah, they'll they'll continue to trade. I mean, look, crypto right now, at least the the majors are a proxy for risk assets in traditional markets right now. I mean, it's you can overlay Bitcoin on on the Nasdaq futures chart, and they're they're identical. So uh, for now, yes. If we enter an environment where it's a bit um, uh, if we enter a recession when inflation persists and we're in a stagflationary environment, I think there's a world in which you know those two can diverge, the correlations. But it's never um, easy to predict the bottom, right? It's like <laughs> yeah. it's in yeah. any right, yeah. exactly, exactly. Wonderful. Thank you, guys. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Anna.